Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. Hallelujah. God is good. I'm so honored to be with you this morning, to be able to bring the word. I trust and believe that God is going to speak to us as moms, speak to us as people. How many of us are people in this room this morning? He's got a word for us. Amen. A good word. God always has an on-time word. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. The, the, the song says he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. He's an on time. I know things in my life I've needed God to show up, and God is a God who shows up. He shows up. He shows how miraculous he is. He shows how faithful he is. He's a good God all the time, every day, every minute of every day. So I want to say blessings to all the moms out there, biological moms, the adopted moms, spiritual moms. They are all important. Listen, I'm a mom and you're a mom forever, right? But I'm so grateful for teachers and uh, blessings of moms and, and nurturers in my children's life. How many of us can say as moms, we'll take all the support we can get? Amen. Come on. <laughs> Give them the truth. Love on them. I love our, our awesome team over there that watch over our children. Give them a hand. They do awesome every week impacting our children our christian school destiny school i'm thankful for them all those teachers all of them that impart into our children if you're one that imparts into children thank you thank you for your love and your kindness to my mom mom can you stand come on give her a big hand Happy Mother's Day. I love you. This has been one of the hardest years of your life, and yet you still show your love, your kindness, your faithfulness to the Lord, your faithfulness to your family, and I love you. Amen. To some, this day is hard for whatever reason. You may have lost a mom. Maybe you didn't have a mom. Maybe you're believing for children. I know what that's like, too. I've spent many years just believing God for children, and I thank God for them. But whatever it is, I believe that God is going to speak to you. He's a restoration God. He's a redemptive God. I, I think many a times of our own, the mother of this house for many, many years, Pastor Mary Edlin, and all of the just the nuggets that she's given to us she passed on to be with the Lord in 2014 and I'm telling you there are days in my life where her voice will just come up I'll remember what she said (laughs) and it's been a faithful reminder of those that have imparted into my life and I'm grateful for it I'm grateful to my children Tyler Casey and Colin I love you so much and I thank God for you thank you for being making me a mom and for teaching me you know many times as moms we learn more than what we teach some days am I right they teach us they teach us forgiveness patience they teach us to rely on the Lord when they're little and they just will not get out that door no matter how many times you say get your shoes on get your shoes on we're gonna be late don't make me yell at you (laughs) but children are an inheritance of the Lord and they're a blessing and I thank God for them when I was praying about this day 
I really felt this is a day of restoration, restoration that God is going to do. He's a redemptive God. The Bible says he, redeem, he redeems us. He's a redeemer. Job said, I know that my God is redeemer. I know that my redeemer lives and he shall stand on the last day. It's a restoration word. No matter what you're believing God for, God is a restoring God. No matter what your story looks like, you have to let God rewrite the story. And I'm telling you, no matter what your story looks like, there is no story that God can't rewrite. There's nothing that's happening in your life that God can't do something about. If you allow him to put his hand, to put his mark on it, there is nothing he can't turn around. There's no child he can't turn around. Come on, moms. There's no situation he can't turn around. We've got to be people of prayer. And being a parent is not easy. It doesn't come with a manual. You will figure it out as you go. I've made plenty of mistakes. I'm trying to figure this thing out. But one thing I know, that when I teach them the ways of the Lord, when they're old, they will not depart from it. Doesn't mean the middle might not get a little rough, but when they're old, the things that have been put into their lives, the seeds have been planting, I am calling them out in the name of Jesus. We as moms, we have a place of prayer that we can call things that are not as though they were because we're just lining them up with God's word. You know, the word of God says in Joel, Joel chapter two, it says, I am going to restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust. This is from the NLT, my great army, which I sent among you. It, the Bible says there is nothing, even when the locusts come. I don't know if you've ever watched a documentary on locusts, but locusts do not play. They didn't come to play. When a swarm comes on your harvest, anybody who's a gardener, if they come and they come like that dark clouds, they are chomping up everything and they are leaving no prisoners. They are taking everything out. God specifically gave us a picture because he wanted Israel to know that even when the locusts come and destroy the harvest and destroy everything that you're believing God for, God says, that's what I'm going to restore. You see that impossibility right there? That is what I'm going to put my hand on and restore. He specifically said locusts. He specifically said that one. Yes, the canker worm, it says in the, in the King James. That thing that they've destroyed, that's the thing I'm going to restore. I'm telling you, there is no situation that is hopeless for God. It might look hopeless. It might seem hopeless. But it is not hopeless to my God. The devil can't do anything that God can't do something about. He's a defeated foe. That's what the devil is. God is a restoring God. He's a redemptive God. He redeems things. He's the one that wrote, I will give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. He's the God that says, you see those ashes right there? You see that thing? You're like, once things ashes, they, you can't make something out of that. God says, I'm going to make beauty out of that. There is nothing in your story that God can't do something about. He's a hope God. He's full of hope. He's full of restoration. He's full of beauty. And he says later on in Joel 2 and 28, it says, and it shall come to pass afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters are going to stand where they need to stand and prophesy and serve the Lord. And it says your old men shall dream dreams. But guess what? Your young men are going to see visions. What the enemy is trying to do these days is to take vision from the next generation. But we're declaring and we as people of God have got to step in in prayer, in intercession and declare that the visions of God they're going to see with their eyes. It's not good enough that we just talk about it. We've got to experience God and our children need to experience God. You know, it's so tempting to get in the everyday life. And I know how that is as a mom. You're so enwrapped in, listen, you got to brush your teeth. You need to take a shower. No, go back and take a real shower. You know, (laughs) I know I've been there. (laughs) No, you need to do this. Do your homework. Study for that test. We forget. Don't neglect the spiritual impartation that you need to give to your children. Come on, what are you going through? Let's pray about it. Don't get so wrapped up in the natural, we forget about what to impart in the spirit. This is a story that I'm going to share with you from the book of Ruth. I love Ruth. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of restoration. It's a story within a story. It's a story telling you about two women and their story and how when they were broken and they had nothing, God says, wait a minute, I didn't finish your story yet. How many of are thankful that your story's not finished yet? If you've got breath in your body, your story is not finished yet. And God is your redeemer. He's going to end. In the Hebrew, there was something called Joel, G-O-E-L, and it's a kinsman redeemer. That's what this story is about. We know that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer, right? Kinsman redeemer means this, a person who, as the nearest relative of someone, is charged with the duty of restoring that person's right and avenging wrongs done to him or her. They act on behalf of the one who is in trouble, danger, or in need. So God set up families. Do you think families are important to God? Absolutely. He even said, you need a kinsman redeemer. If you're going through danger, if you're a widow, if you have something where you don't have anything, your nearest relative comes in and not only restores your rights, but avenges the wrongs that were done to you. We have Jesus who's our kinsman redeemer. He's our redeemer. He stands in the place and he says, listen, I'm going to stand and I'm not only going to restore, I'm going to avenge and make the devil pay back double what he's been doing. That's who God is. There is nothing that God can't redeem. Ruth was a Moabitess. She was a foreigner. But yet she, her story became a story That was in the lineage of King David. God wrote her in, grafted her in. Her name means compassionate friend. That's who Ruth is. Her, you know, the names of God are so important. It describes who that person is. Her name means compassionate, compassionate friend. Let's go to the book of Ruth chapter one, one through five. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. Everybody just say severe famine. 
severe famine. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Epaphrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. So here, this man was Elimelech, and there was a severe famine in the land. See, I don't know if you realize it, but back then, if your crops failed, you were in big trouble. You were in huge trouble. There wasn't a Walmart around. Here, there's just a Walmart wherever you go. You can go way out and there's a Walmart somewhere. There was nothing. You were destroyed. If you didn't have to have a harvest to feed your family, you had nothing. And Elimelech, you have to understand where he was coming from. He was like, Judah, there's full of famine. I've got to go to another place. I've got to, I've got to try to go to another place. But he had no idea that where he was going was tragedy. Something was about to unfold. He lost his own life. And it says 10 years later, both sons died. Malin and Killian died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons and her husband. My first point is this. Be careful of the decisions you make in hard times. Be careful of the decisions you make in hard times. See, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass looks greener, but the grass is not greener on the other side. You got to water that grass just as much as you got to water this grass. It's deceiving. But you have to understand, and my heart goes out for him, he was trying to support his own family, and he said, let's leave Judah, let's leave this land, and let's go somewhere else. They went to Moab, a place in that time were very godless, they were sacrificing their own children, they were worshiping other gods. He settled there because he thought that was the place that was going to provide for him. We've got to be careful where we settle. We have to be careful who we marry. We've got to be careful who we do life with. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Naomi later said in in the the bottom of chapter one, in 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 the end of chapter one, she said, I left full and came back empty. She said, I left full and came back empty. What does that mean? Man, they were starving. They had nothing. How could she say, I left full? Because when you're full, you have everything that you need, and it has nothing to do with money. Listen, the American dream cannot give us what we need. If you feel that money is going to make you or money is going to be where it's at, it's not. It is empty. It is empty. She said, I left full. Listen, when they left, Malin or Elimelech was like, we don't have anything. We better leave. Naomi said, I'm leaving full. I got my family with me. That's why family. He got, God even said in his word, I put the destitute in families. What does he call us? The family of God. Family is important to God. Family is important. She said, I left full. But when she lost everything, she came back empty. 
Be careful of the decisions. See, the enemy wants to empty you, and Jesus is the only contentment that you need. Jesus is the only one. When he met the woman at the well, when he met that woman, and he said, give me a drink, and she says, why are you as a Jew asking me for a drink? And he said, listen, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. Because he says in John chapter 4, 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give, I give, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving eternal life. Jesus is saying, I've got water that you've got to draw on. Listen, I know on a daily basis when I'm not drinking the water of my salvation. When I'm not drinking from Jesus, when I am not tapping in. Listen, even as a mom, people can just push your buttons. And I can either respond when I'm not drinking from the well, <laughs> or I respond when I am drinking from the well. And I have a much better response when I'm drinking from the well, right? Much better, much better. The Lord gives me a word. See, Naomi lost all the people that she loved. I can't even imagine what that feels like. She lost absolutely everything, not just her husband, her sons, her livelihood. Back then, if you didn't have a man, if you didn't have a livelihood that way that you were hooked to somebody, that's why marriage was so important, you couldn't go down and get a job. So she lost everything. She became destitute. You have to understand what was happening during this time. But there was a time where she said to her daughters-in-law, I've got to go back. I know where God is. I know where I've got to go, and I've got to go back. And it's Ruth chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her daughters-in-law, she set out from place where she had been living. They took the road that would lead them back to Judah. They took the road. Number two. Never let what people think about you determine your decisions. Never, never let people, what people would think about you determine your decision. See, she went back. She came back empty. She knew that she left. She left her friends. She left her family. See, God, God didn't lead them out. There's nowhere in Ruth that it says God led them. He led Abraham. He said, get out of the country and go to this other country. It never said that in Ruth, but they left. And Naomi said, I have nothing. I'm going back empty. I'm embarrassed. I don't know what people are going to think about me. Never let what people think about you determine your decision. Never. She said, I'm going back anyway. I don't have anything. I've lost everything. But I'm going back to where I know that I'm supposed to be. I'm going back home. Doesn't matter what mistake you've made, go back home to the Lord. The Lord says, come back. She says, I'm going back. I, I'm coming back empty-handed. And you've got to sometimes forget about the mistakes you made. She says, I'm going back empty-handed, but I know where I'm supposed to be. Listen, all of us know deep down in our spirit where we're supposed to be. We know whether we're right with God or whether we're not right with God. 
Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, come to me. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? You're in the right place. Jesus said, come to me. I want to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. That's the part sometimes we forget. We know about taking Jesus' yoke on, but then he said, let me teach you. I've got to teach you some things. See, we can be so busy in this life as moms, and I get it. We just got to get stuff done. Am I right? I mean, those la that laundry's not going to do itself. Those dishes are not going to do themselves. I've got to do what I've got to do to make this house work. I've got to do what i got to do to get these children up and ready for school but we cannot neglect the rest for our souls. Jesus said, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. How many are grateful that Jesus is humble and he's gentle? There's times I've needed the gentleness of my Savior. There's times where I've just needed him to pour his love, pour his grace, pour his forgiveness, pour his mercy. The word of God says in Ephesians 2 that he is rich in mercy, rich in mercy. And he pours it out and it says, you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. The times in my life where the burden has become too heavy, it's because I forgot about Jesus's yoke. I set that down and I put my own yoke on, my own circumstances, my own thinking of, of, of how perfect I think I need to be or what I need to be doing in my life. And I've forgotten about Jesus's yoke. But when you put Jesus's yoke on you, I don't care what you're walking through, what you're dealing with. The Bible says you have rest for your soul. You have a restful soul. You walk and you talk and you say, Jesus, there's rest for my soul. It's never too late to go back home. Number three, speak life. There was something that happened in the middle of this story. Orpah and Ruth clung to Naomi. She said, I'm going back home. I'm going to the land of Judah. You, you girls are Moabites. And, and you don't, and so why don't you guys stay here? And they both said, no, we want to go too. And she said, no, you know, I can't give sons to you. You got to get married. That's the only way you're going to survive in this life. And thank God that that's different now, but, but that's the way it was in that culture at that time. And, and so they, she said, no, stay here. And Orpah stayed and Ruth said something so significant. She said in, in verse 16 of chapter 1, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you. Don't ask me, Naomi. Don't ask me to leave you. See, Naomi, you got something that I know I need. There's something inside you. You might be broken. You might be going through some stuff, but I see God in you, and that's what I need. And she said, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She went on to say in verse 17, wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. She said, all right, okay. 
I want us to realize that this statement changed the trajectory of Ruth's future. You understand that the words we say can change the trajectory of our future. Our words are power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Something happened in the heavenlies when Ruth spoke those words because she spoke them from the depths of her heart. She said, listen, don't ask me to leave you, Naomi. I don't know what's going on, but I know this. I've seen you, and I've seen you worship God, and there's something about the Lord that I know I need, so I will never separate myself from that. It's a story of loyalty. Yes, Ruth was a loyal person. She had character. She had devotion, but there was something Naomi had that Ruth said, I'm grabbing onto that. Once she spoke these words, something was released in the heavens. The Holy Spirit of God began to move on her behalf to secure the future that God had for it. She made a decision and she spoke it. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. So it's just confirmed in 2 Corinthians that says, listen, you have to believe just like we sung this morning and you've got to speak it. You're not going to get anything in this life until you draw a line in the sand and you make a decision. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, there comes times where you're going through stuff, but you draw a line in the sand and you make a decision. And God honors that decision. God honors Ruth's decision. And he started doing things on her behalf because she said, I'm speaking life. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. You know that scripture. But then it goes on to say, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are being perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, to the other the aroma leading to life. There was something that Ruth could sense in the spirit. There was an aroma that Naomi had. Listen, moms, there's an aroma that we have. We must speak life, but there are little ones. There are those that are following us and listening and watching everything you say and do, whether you like it or not everything they don't miss a beat there's times you wish they missed a beat you better be careful what you speak in your home you've got to be careful what you say because those little ones are grabbing it and they are soaking it right into their spirit my daughter used to say i have highly trained ears i heard what you said mom <laughs> i'm like oh my word you got to be careful what you say I remember there was one time I was going through something and um, I was decided, you know, I'm going to get up. And I know I've told this story before, but for those of you who haven't heard it, Psalm 91, I started walking through the house and I started declaring, he that dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I was just going through something. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my God and him will I trust. Surely shall he protect you from the snare of the power 
fowler and from the perilous pestilence. That's a mouthful. But he's going to save you. And it says he's going to save you from the arrows that fly by day and the ones that fly by night. And I remember I was walking all around and I didn't realize that Tyler was right behind me. And he was little at the time. And he was like with his car. And all of a sudden I felt a tug on my robe because it was early in the morning. And he said, Mom. And I'm like, what? He's like, where are the arrows that fly by day? He was like, I'm going to duck. <laughs> Just let me know where they are. <laughs> they watch and they see everything we do. That's why we have to be so careful what we project into the home and into our life. You know, death and life are in the power of the tongue, but you can switch things around and declare. Just like God said to the disciples, he said, peace. When you go into our home, you say, peace be unto this home. Do you know that you can walk into your home when you leave today and you can say, I don't care what's been done in this home or what kind of fighting. I declare that things change today in the spirit realm. I'm speaking peace in my home. I'm speaking life in my home. I'm speaking healing in my home. I'm speaking strength in my home. Life, life is in the tongue and you have the power to speak it. You have that kind of power. Number four, don't let bitterness define you. Verse 19, so the two of them continued on their journey. This is Ruth and Naomi. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. So the whole town was there. They said, is it really Naomi? The women asked. <laughs> they could hardly identify what had happened to her. They could hardly believe that it was the same person that left. Let me tell you, the devil will beat you up. If you decide you're going the enemy's way and the world's way, you are going to get beat up. It's all smoke and mirrors out there. The world has nothing to offer. She said, don't call me Naomi. Said, I don't even want to be known by that. See, the name Naomi means pleasant. And so she was a pleasant person because names mattered in the Bible. She was a pleasant person, but she said, don't call me that. Don't, it's not who I am. She said, for the Almighty, instead, call me Mara. And Mara means bitter. She was like, came back. I was pleasant. That was who I am. I love the way I used to be. I love the way I was before I got beat up. I love the way how innocent I was. I love how I just loved God. But man, life has just beat me up. Now, don't even call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Call me bitter because that's who I am. I've got some bitter things that I've been dealing with. I've got some situations. I've got some things that I've held on to. Don't call me Naomi anymore. And you know what the interesting thing is? If you read the rest of the book of Ruth, nobody called her Mara. <laughs> I love that. Not one person. Boaz said, and you know, Naomi, Ruth said, Naomi, God, God never, ever called her Mara. Listen, I am so thankful for times that God does not pay attention to my foolishness. God says, no, no, it's not. She's like, Everyone listen up, the whole town. Don't call me Naomi. I'm not pleasant. I'm bitter. God says, no, you're not, and I'm not calling you that. That's not who you are. You know, you can love somebody and not participate in their foolishness. Well, I'm stupid. No, you're not. 
That's not what God says you are. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. Your name is not bitter, Mara. Your name is pleasant because that's what I, the Lord, has named you, and I am not changing. I love it in sometimes in Scripture where God just ignores people. Think about it. He's just like, I pay that, no mind. That's, that's irrelevant. It doesn't mean he's not caring. He pours in his love without saying a word. There's times where we just need that love of God to be poured into us. You know, sometimes it's wisdom to not say anything to your friend than to always have all the answers. Right? Sometimes there's no words. She said, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. But let me tell you, she was redefining herself based on her circumstance. But don't name yourself something that God hasn't called you. Because God says, no, I disagree. God never addressed her as that, and neither did anyone else. Why? Because God says, I don't see that in you. I see you as Naomi. I see you not as Simon, but as Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. I don't see you as Abram. I see you as Abraham. I don't see you, Jacob, as a deceiver. I see you, Israel, as a prince, because I have called you, and you have a purpose for your life. I've determined I'm not going to pay any mind to what anything the enemy says. Mm -mm. What does God say? What does God say in his word? Some of us, we've held on to so much bitterness, and we've held on that it's hard to let go. Does, has anyone ever watched that show, Hoarders? It's scary, isn't it? <laughs> You're like, whoa, there's just garbage everywhere. Now, listen, I keep too many things. I'm on a journey of just letting some things go. But you can walk through my house just fine. These people, you can't even walk through the house. There's so much garbage. You don't know what's garbage and what's not. And listen, before we get too hard and say, how in the world? Because, you know, have you ever watched that show and you're like, how did they even let it get like that? It's easier than you think. Because there's something really deep going on and what happens is you you're afraid of letting go and you can't differentiate what's important and what's not what's garbage and what's good you have no you you've lost that ability because you think that letting go will give you more pain than not letting go so you hold on and you hold on let me tell you some people are emotional hoarders and you don't know what to let go of. And there's been pain in your life. And you can't let it go because you think you're going to give that person. You're going to let them off the hook. But let me tell you something. God is a God who watches everything. And he says in the word, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He said, I will repay. So by letting go, I'm letting God do his thing. I'm giving him permission. I'm not letting anybody off the hook. I'm forgiving and releasing and saying, God, that person's yours. I know you love them, but I know that you are a God of justice. Over and over, it says in the word, God is loving and he's just. Remember that. But you got to let him do his own justice. You got to allow him to do his work. You've got to allow him to work on your behalf. Stand still and know that I am God. That means stop fighting. You're like, put up your dukes. He's like, back off. 
Have you ever had God say that to you? I have. I put both hands up. God's like, back off. Stop it. Clam, clam up. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Be still. Be still. And in your stillness, know that I am God. We were off to school, and it's a funny story, but it was, man, I'm telling you, so many times in my life, my children has, have taught me. And I was actually going through a couple of things, just being in the church, dealing with people and stuff, just normal stuff. And we get in the car, and I always love to have a scripture for the kids every morning. You, here's a scripture. Here's the word. That morning, it didn't happen. We were just lucky that everybody had their shoes on. We were late. We were running. I was just like, come on. I said, get both shoes on. All right, out the door. You know those days, right? Everybody's just running. I'm like, I said, don't make me raise my voice. Everybody in the car. And we're driving off to school, which is like two minutes away. And... um, (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I'm like, you guys, I didn't do a scripture today. Can somebody think of a scripture? Because I got nothing. Can I, you know what I'm saying? I, I call them when the, the kids were little, I joke, but it's really true. I call them my zombie years because I don't know exactly what happened, but I survived it. That's all I know. And so I'm like, does anybody have a scripture? We need a word this morning. And little Casey, she was in the vaccine. She's like, I do. I'm like, great. Give us a word. Give us a scripture, something we can think about today. And she, with her little voice, she goes, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I was like, what? I'm like, okay, that's a word. (laughs) Remember that. I need to remember that. Things you got to give away to God, you need to give. Give means I don't worry about it anymore. If I give something to God and I'm still talking about it, I didn't give it to him. If I gave something to God and I'm still worried about it and anxious about it, I didn't give it. I didn't give it. Don't be an emotional hoarder. You know, some people say, I forgave him, but I sure didn't forget it. You did not forgive. (laughs) I know because I've been there. God's like, no, you didn't. Go back. Go back and pray. (laughs) Romans 12, 19 and Hebrews 10, 30 both say vengeance is mine. The Lord will judge his people, it says. The Lord says, I will repay. When you, let, when you can't let the past go, you are saying that you can handle it better than the Lord. You're saying that you're better than God, that your justice is better than God's. Let me tell you something. There is no one like our God. He is supreme. He is high and lifted up. And when I let hold on to something and not let it go, I'm saying I'm God and I can handle it. I can't. Listen, I can't handle anything. The older I get, I'm 55 now. Now I'm telling you, I have this mantra, I can't handle anything. Lord, you can just have everything. Have all my emotions. Have all my stuff. Have all my struggles, God. You can have it, Lord. I can't handle anything, God. It's only through your grace. It's only through the grace of God. You can't discern anymore when you're a hoarder what's good and what's bad. You're like, is that garbage or is that not? See, that's how the enemy works. He's such a deceiver. He's like, oh no, you better hold on to that old McDonald's uh, cup that's all twisted there. 
See, that's what's in our heart. And you, 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 you might need that. You might need that. You better hold on to that. You can't discern what's right and wrong anymore. You can't discern what's good for my emotional health, what's bad for... People that are emotional hoarders cannot set boundaries. They can't set healthy boundaries. Everybody comes in and walks all over them because I haven't been able to let go. I'm sorry, is this okay? I know it's heavy, but it's what God deals with me about. <laughs> It's like, don't, don't, Darla, don't, don't hold on to that. Let it go. I'm better than you are. I can handle this. When God says, I've got this, he really means he's got it. I'm telling you, there's some things I've given to God that I cannot believe the way they've come out. I'm like, woo, Lord, you are so much better than me. <laughs> I love 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Sometimes we forget that. We remember, give all your cares to God. I'm trying, I'm trying. But think about how much he cares for you. Here's a God who made you, and he said, I, I care about you so much. I don't want you to carry that. That's just weight that's weighing you down. You don't need that in your life. God didn't address Naomi's request to be renamed. God said, that's not your name. I'm not calling you that. Because in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, he says, he's rich in mercy. Can everybody just say, rich in mercy? Come on, say it again. Rich in mercy. How many of us are grateful that I serve a God, you serve a God who's rich? Woo! I don't know where I would be if I didn't serve a God who's rich in mercy. That helps me when I pray for other people. God, you're rich in mercy. He's so rich in mercy that I am so glad there are days he paid no attention to my foolishness. What I said out of my mouth is what I'm talking about. Now I need to repent. He's a God. We need to make things right. But I'm telling you, there are some times, like in the book of Ruth, Naomi said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. God's like, so anyway, Naomi was, he's like, no, I don't pay attention to that foolishness. It's interesting because Job's wife said a very, very bad thing. Job lost everything. Job's wife lost everything. Can we remember that? She lost all of her children. I have no idea what that's like. She lost everybody. She said to Job, curse God and die. That's a bad thing to say. She was so broken. She was so grieving. God in his rich mercy. And you know, when God addressed things in the Bible, he addressed them. He didn't even address that. But he sure had a lot of things to say about Job's friends, didn't he? He said, friends... Let's gather y'all together. You've been talking against Job. You better pray and ask Job to, to pray for you because my judgment is going to fall on you. God's judgment falls on us. Be careful of what you say to other people. That's why gossip is right up there with murder. Jesus said, listen, you've said thou shalt not murder, but if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart because that's somebody that God created. But to Job's wife, he said nothing. 
I believe he just allowed his grace to come upon her brokenness. I really do. He said absolutely nothing. But you know what? The end of the story, when Job got twice the cattle, she got twice the cattle. When he got twice the sheep, she got twice the sheep. When he got more children, those were her children. He, she said the wrong thing. But she got the mercy and the grace of God. God is rich in mercy. There is nothing, there is nothing that you've done that he can't do something about. There is nothing. He loved us, it says in Ephesians 2, that when we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When we were dead, when we didn't do anything to deserve it, God was rich in mercy. Woo! God didn't ignore Naomi's pain. He ignored her request to be defined by her pain. God didn't ignore her pain. He ignored her request to be defined by her pain. God will not allow the end of your story. When you're submitted to God, when you follow God's ways, he will not let the end of your story be anything less than hope and joy and life and peace and strength and kindness and mercy and love and forgiveness then strength. She said, I'm a victim, so call me that. God said, no, you're not, and I'm not calling you that. God calls you loved. God calls you forgiven. Ruth had so much favor on her because she spoke life, but even Naomi, who at the time didn't speak life, that wasn't the end of her story either. God had something that he was doing in the midst of both of them, and the end of the story is this, and I'm going to make my last point. I think it's my last point. Yes, I'm to my last point. Yay! (laughs) Ruth said to Naomi, listen, we are poor. We have nothing. Let me just see. Can you just allow me? She was such a submissive, such a beautiful, humble person. She said, can I just go behind the harvesters? In those days, the way you would maybe get some food if you were poor is you go behind the harvesters and whatever they didn't gather, you could gather. It was the lowest of the low. And Ruth said, I don't care. I'm going to glean what I can glean. She was a woman of loyalty. She was a woman of strength. And uh, Naomi said, go ahead. And, And the Bible said, it just happened. Everybody say, just happened. Just happened that she went into the field of Boaz, which she had no idea that he was a kinsman redeemer and everything in her life was about to change. All she knew was, I've got to provide for my mother-in-law. I've got to do the right thing. But God said, in doing the right thing, it's going to lead you right into your destiny. Hallelujah. When you make a decision to serve God, the trajectory of it is this. He's got your future in his hands. He said, I'm about to lead you. You think you're just getting a little bit of grain, Ruth, but I'm leading you right into your destiny. And she grabbed it and Boaz saw her and said, who is this? And he heard about her. See, God gives you favor. When you do the right thing, God is going to make people hear about you. You don't have to worry to push yourself through in a job or in anything else. When God's favor is upon you, you're going to shine. And it's not going to be you. It's going to be Jesus shining through you. You don't have to worry. She just was picking the grain, just doing the lowest of the low. And Boaz said, who is that lady over there? 
said, I heard about you. I've heard about your devotion. You left your family, your country. My goodness, you're serving your mother-in-law. Number five, my last point is this. God is a restoring God. God is a restoring God. I don't care how long those children have been out there. They are going to serve the Lord. I'm calling them in in the name of Jesus. I don't care how long you've been believing for them. Their story is going to change. God is, has the final say. God has the final say. See, when I pray, I am not praying from a place of defeat, even as a mom. I'm praying from a place of victory. And I'm declaring, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And God, you're going to bring them into what they need to be brought into. When they're old, they will not depart. It doesn't mean the middle is going to get a little rough. It means when they're old, they shall not depart from the seeds that are planted in their life. Whew, you have, you have authority to do that. I have authority to do that because you're their mom. You have authority to do that. Boaz said, stay right here. Stay right here. Glean from, from this field. And he said something very interesting in Ruth 2, verse 12. He said, may the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. May the Lord, the one where you came, Ruth, you, you were hurting, you were in pain, but you said, I'm coming under the wings. I'm coming to get some refuge. I need some help. I need some help. I made some mistakes. I, didn't, I wasn't even brought up right. I didn't do the right thing at all, the, at all the right times, but I'm coming to the Lord. That place of refuge means you can hide yourself. You know, that's what the enemy does. He makes you ashamed, right? He makes you ashamed, but God says, come here. Come here, get some refuge. Let me restore what the years that the, that the locusts have eaten. And he said, let him reward you fully for what you've done. Even though God's done everything for us, I have to take a step and do the right thing. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Moms, I just want to show you we do have something for you. And the reason why it's significant, yes, it has some chocolate in it because that is very important. And it has a votive candle just to, just to remind yourself to take some time out. Get some rest for your soul. Lean into Jesus this week. But it also has a couple of cards. It has some scriptures. But on the back of the card, I want you sometime this week to write on the back and say what you're believing God to restore what you need him to redeem in your life, what you need him to restore. Anybody else here, if you, if you want to do the same thing, do the same thing. But believe, ask God, God, what do you want to restore in my life? There is nothing that God can't rewrite. There is no story when you give him your story. Say, God, here's my story. Here's my life. God says, I'm going to make something beautiful. Do you know Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he makes everything beautiful in its time. But the only way for me to make, for him to make something beautiful is for me to surrender. If I never give it over to him, if I never give my life to him, there's nothing for him to work with. It's only in the gift of my life that he can make it beautiful. I want to pray. And if you have never served the Lord, or maybe you have and you've wandered from him and you want to come back to the Lord, 
I want to pray for you. If that's you this morning and you say, man, I just, I want to get under the wings and I want to take refuge. I have not been living for Jesus or maybe I don't know Jesus and you want to do that today. Could you lift up your hand? I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. If that's you this morning, could you do me a favor? I know it takes a step of faith, but I want to pray for you. Come on down. I want to just pray for you special. If you want to give your life to the Lord, I know I saw some hands. It takes some strength to get on out of your seat and come on down. I want to pray for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, there's nothing in your life that God can't do something about. He's a restoring God. He's a faithful God. He's a worthy God. He's an awesome God. Let's pray today. If that's you, come on over this way. Welcome. Hi, sweetie. God is an awesome, awesome God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. And all you need to do, this is the awesome thing about God. He's not about your religion and what you say and how impressed everybody would be. He just wants you to say it from your heart. So if you could repeat after me, say, Lord, I thank you for giving your life for me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I give my life to you. I repent. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Welcome. If you go this way, we just have a few things for you, a Bible. We just want to meet with you. This is the day the Lord has made. This is a new day. So go right over here. We thank you, Jesus. The second thing I want to do real quick, I know it's getting late, but if you're a mom, could you just run down here real quick? And I want to pray for you. Come on, moms. This is your day. And this is for everybody, but I just want to specially recognize you and pray for you that this is a new season you're entering in, that God is getting ready to restore the years. Maybe you feel that that has been eaten up, but I want to encourage you. Don't be discouraged. Come on up a, uh, a little bit um, closer to me so we can fit more in. I love you so much. You do a hard job. There's days we do it well, and there's days we're just like, Lord, I'm sinking here. But let me tell you, the Lord is always with you. And will you allow me to just pray a special prayer over you? Lift up your hands. Father, I thank you, Lord, that God, just like Ruth, every mom here, myself included, we're going to see the end of the story. We're going to see you restore some things that we've been believing for. God, we've been standing. We've been standing in agreement, Father. But we call our children in by the grace of God. We declare that they're going to serve you, Father. Lord, we give you our lives, Lord. You're a good God. And Father, I ask right now that we would feel your strength and feel your peace and feel your restoration and feel your redemption, Father. You are rich in mercy, God. You have grace for us, that empowering presence. 
of God that enables me to be what I'm created to be and do what I'm called to do. Father, we speak grace over our moms, Lord. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.